I'm really energized for this episode. I'm excited to talk to our guest this week. So we have Krissa Thompson as our guest today, and Krissa has an extensive broadcast career. Um, so she's currently a host at Fox Sports. She was also a correspondent on the popular entertainment news show. You may have heard of it, Extra. Um, you can also find her co-hosting the podcast, Calm Down with Aaron and Krissa. And if that was enough, she is also the founder of House and Home Design, a full-service design firm. So she wears many, many hats, and we are so excited to have her. Hi, Carissa. How are you? Hi. Thank you so much for that intro. I appreciate it. When you say wear many hats, I usually do wear hats because I don't like washing my hair. So that <laughs> is an exception um, that well, I need my hair done, but that's not important right now. How are you guys? Thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh. No. I mean, also, yes, I get it, especially this past year. I probably washed my hair. I can count. I don't even, it's fine. Let's not get into it. Um, but no, I'm so, so happy to have you. <laughs> so Krista, as a woman with many years of experience in your field, we're always curious how you got your start. So like, how did you land your first gig? What was the starting point for you? Well, it's um, a little bit unorthodox, um, but to tell you I'll, I'll tell you why I, I knew uh, I, the route was a lot easier for me than most. And why I say that is because from the time I was 11 years old, I knew I wanted to be a sports broadcaster. So I think a lot of times in life, people struggle with figuring out what do I want to be in life? What do I want to do? And then they get into certain jobs and they're like, I don't like that. And then they keep changing. So for me, it was a direct line, right? The quickest point, you know, way between two points is a, is a straight line. So knowing that I always wanted to be a sports broadcaster, it was pretty I don't want to simplify it, but it was pretty easy to be like, all right, the second I graduated from college, like I'm going to a build, I'm going to apply for a job in an area that I is a sports job. So Fox Sports um, had an opening in the HR department. I should never work in HR because I drink on my lunch breaks. I uh, leave people's files out. Like, I mean, I was a, a terrible HR candidate, but I lied to get the job. And I said, I really wanted to work in HR. I wanted to do all that. Now, there's a moral here. Don't lie, but tell the truth. What, what I'm going to get to what I mean by that. I lied in the interview and said, I really wanted to do it. I left the interview and thought to myself, I know why I'm lying is because I want to get in the building, but it's not the right way to go about it. So the, I called the guy back who I just interviewed with and he's like, where are you? And I'm like, oh, I'm in the parking garage. Um, but I want to apologize. I lied to you. I don't want to work in HR, but I want to be a sports broadcaster. Uh, he goes, okay, well, thanks for calling. Hung up and I was like, well, I'm never going to get that job. Um, two weeks later, he called me back and said, you got the job because you were honest and HR is about honesty. So give me a year, um, ensure that you'll be a great assistant. And then I will you know, help facilitate within this building areas of production, which if that's what you're passionate about, um, I'll help you with that. So there was a moral of, of honesty there, but um, I guess my whole thing was, knowing already what I wanted to do made it a lot easier. Now, after that, it was very difficult. I became a production assistant. Um, I moved to Denver. I, you know, there was a lot of steps in between finally getting my first on-air job, but it was um, a really incredible experience to be in the building on the administrative side. So then that way, when I did get my first on-air job, which was with Fox, it was so special because I felt like I had the support of everyone internally. It was like, I was like their child who like made it. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's a lot to unpack there, but I guess for me, it was a lot simpler to end up where I wanted to be knowing 
who I wanted to be. That's really awesome. And I love how you have, I guess, like paid your dues in a way. Like you've done all the different things. You've touched all the areas well, of production. <laughs> um, you know, what's interesting is that there are so many people now who want to be on air. Um, and it's not the same path nowadays as you took, especially now that there's like TikTok and Instagram and people can easily put themselves out there and become sort of personalities without having to be on television. So how, I guess, in your experience starting and now still being in um, the broadcast industry, how have you seen that change like over the past like 10 years, I guess? Yeah, that's such a great question because there are so many more platforms, even on television, like in terms of a cable network and uh, the streaming services. I mean, before, like when I started, I've been in this 14 years, it was you're looking for that network job or you're looking for that regional job, right? That local news anchor, the local sports reporter, and there was only a handful of jobs available. So now, to your previous point, there's so many various platforms um, and TV personalities come in many different forms. For for me, I mean, it's exciting to watch how many opportunities there are out there for people. But then I also think that can sometimes be a detriment because it's so saturated, right? Where it's like, how do you break away from just, you know, filming videos on your, your phone to really sort of grabbing that national anchor um, position, which maybe has you know, a, a more, I don't want to take away from digital stuff, but there's it, a difference of like that, um, that Barbara Walters, uh, you know, position of sitting on an, uh, an anchor desk or an interview show. I feel very grateful that I have been in this business for a long time, but as I always maintain, there will always be someone younger, someone smarter, someone, all of the different, you know, things. And so for me, I sort of live my life based on a contract um, where I, I have it in my mind. I think, hey, I only have a job for two more years. What that does is it keeps me in a position of gratitude. So when my work, when work calls and I'm technically only supposed to work during football season, because that's what my contract says, when my employer calls me and says, hey, would you mind working and doing this? Would you mind working and doing that? There's no part of me that ever goes, well, that's not in my contract. I go, I would love to do that. I would love to do that. Example, I worked a boxing uh, match a couple months ago. I don't know anything about boxing, you guys. And I even said that to my employer. I go, I don't know anything about boxing, but I'll study. I'll figure it out. And I hosted that event. Um, and I felt grateful that my employer had enough confidence in me to put me on that desk to host something, but also be willing to do whatever it takes, no matter how long you've been in the profession. Um, because you never know how long it'll last. So I've always tried to maintain that mindset. I don't know if that answers your question, but I think that that being humble um, and appreciating your position and knowing that it could be taken away always sort of keeps me hungry. And I would like to believe it's kept me employed for this long um, with an attitude of, I don't care if it's in my contract or not, do it because there will come a day where you don't have a contract. I think that's really interesting because when you said that, it made me think of, you know, when people are, are starting out their careers, the first thing they tell you is just take every opportunity that comes to you and don't say no and think, and, you know, make sure you're, you're continuously making yourself available. I think it's interesting that, like, that you say that, like, you know, now where you are in your career, that that still is actually something that happens is that, you know, you have to continue to say yes to things sometimes because that's where the opportunities mm -hmm. come from. So I wanted to ask you is that 
we talked a bunch of, on this podcast about kind of that like multifaceted lifestyle and how people can do a million things at once and that's okay. How do you, like, what's your approach to that? Because you're a prime candidate of the kind of person that does that, like doing, you know, podcasts and doing TV and doing probably a million other things. How do you kind of have time for, you know, yeah, a full well, lifestyle? Thank you. Um, I think honestly, it stems from the fear of what I just mentioned that I don't want to put all my eggs in one basket because if that contract does end in two years and it's not renewed, I don't want to be the person on the other side of it being like, now what? I've always been a big believer in try to make yourself uh, so desirable that they can't get rid of you. And what I mean by that is leverage, right? Leverage is always important, whether it's in contract negotiations. Um, I mean, hell, even in a relationship, I think it's important that you don't take for granted. Um, my therapist tells me this. Um, my husband or my, you know, my friendships, it's sort of that idea of um, ensuring that you have gratitude, but also continue working and not just rely on that one thing. Um, what I mean by that is, you know, when I was working in sports, the opportunity came about to work in entertainment. I said, I don't care who's dating who. I don't know what's who's wearing what. And I don't even know how to pronounce Balmain. Is it Balmain? 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 <laughs> like, I don't know these things. And I wasn't really a fit for entertainment. But my boss said to me, who hired me, uh, she said, you might not know entertainment, but you know TV. And so for me, it was this idea that getting an opportunity like that, which again, a coveted position on a national entertainment show, um, was an awesome opportunity. And I remember when I first started working with Mario, I said to him, uh, Lopez, I said, look, I don't know anything about entertainment, but like, I'm here to have fun. And, you know, let's, the viewer's going to know, get, get it, it's not done. They know if we like each other or they know if we don't. And I had such a great time working with him because he is Mr. Entertainment. Like he mm -hmm. loves entertainment. And so he was like over the top about things and he'd be like, oh, up next, don't extra. And I go, we need to bring it down a notch. And it was that thing for the viewer at home that maybe isn't so like in your face, I love entertainment, that I, I kind of like gave a little bit of, you know, common man to the guy that's been in show business his whole life. So I think that um, for me, it was just always about taking those opportunities and continuing to appreciate, I had a, a guy give me advice one time. He said, appreciate your position, but plan your promotion. And that's always resonated with me where it's, I am so grateful for the opportunities I have, but maybe they won't be there. So what are you doing to ensure that you have something else? I mean, we buy insurance on our home. We buy insurance on our car, not because we think there's going to be a fire or there's going to be an accident, but if there is, we have an insurance plan. So having all these different jobs or taking on the podcast or starting this new business for me is an insurance policy that I will be protected if the other few things fall apart. Now, again, you can get too saturated and, uh, you know, maybe spread yourself too thin. So I think that I have the luxury in broadcasting now where I work during football season and then all my energies in that during that season or entertainment is now sporadic. But when I'm on that job, I'm on that location, like I'm focused on that. So sort of designation of time. Um, so you're not, I don't know what's the expression, um, something but master of none, like kind of a thing. I, I don't mm -hmm. remember what the expression is. But you want to ensure that like, you know, that's great. You have 10 jobs, but are you doing any of them well? Um, so there's a couple different uh, positives and negatives to stacking your dance card um, with responsibilities. 
And I think I think that's also, you know, as you're explaining this, obviously very specific to your industry, but I think it also applies to anyone else in any other industries, you know, like making career switches or, you know, taking jobs that they have and taking transferable skills. And it's okay to switch and, you know, wear different hats, whether you be in tech or whether you be in healthcare and whatnot. So um, I think that definitely applies to everyone. I did want to ask you, though, um, as you were talking about the beginning of your career, um, obviously, you know, you started in sports. Was that was that passion first? Like, I want to work in sports and you happen to go into broadcasting or was it I want to work in broadcasting? Um, I feel like I would be a best fit in sports. You guys have great questions. As a what I I guess that my title is a professional interviewer. Um, I should take notes from you guys because your questions are wonderful and it elicits my my brain to to clearly ramble with an answer. <laughs> but um, I always wanted to be a sports broadcaster. I made a little uh, VHS video with my brother when he was thirteen and I was eleven, and I made him be a, a Mariner. I'm from Seattle, so I made him be the baseball player that I loved up there. And, I interviewed him with a paper towel roll and a tennis ball and he was like resistant. He's like, this is so stupid. I was like, but please just do it for me. And I was like, I recorded it and I ended up using that actually on my first resume reel because it was very important to get a news director's attention. They only put the, I mean, you guys are very young. I'm old. They were DVDs and they only put the DVDs in for like 30 seconds. Um, So you better capture their attention. So I popped up as an 11 year old and they were probably like, what is this? Um, I'd like to believe again, like, landed me the job, but it was this idea that, you know, when you're coming from the world of sports, there's a lot of athletes that say, I always wanted to be a football player. I just wanted to be a baseball player. And so again, when you've always wanted to do something, um, you'll stop at nothing to get it. Yes. You have to have a little luck and timing and good fortune along the way. I'm not, uh, you know, naive to believe that just because you want something, you'll get it. But uh, your willingness to to work for it is definitely there if you love it. So yeah, I always wanted to be a sports broadcaster, which is why I went to the Fox Sports interview because again, I didn't matter what position. I just knew I just need to get in this building, right? You always hear those classic mailroom stories. He started in the mailroom and whatever. So mm-hmm. it was something along those lines. That's so interesting because male or sports, even today in 2021, is still a very much like male dominated industry. So I can only imagine what it was like when you were 11. Who did you look up to? Like who influenced you at that time? Like were there any women sports anchors that you were like, I want to be this person? Yeah, I mean, Melissa Stark, um, this is a very superficial thing. And I can say it because I've been accused of being Barbie my blonde hair and whatever, but Melissa Stark, she was working for, this is my dog. Hi, Daisy. This is, my dog is coming over oh. to say hi. Um, <laughs> hi, Daisy. Um, so Melissa Stark, she worked for ABC and she worked Monday Night Football. And I just remember looking at, she was beautiful, but she was also super intelligent, articulate. And she uh, had this rapport with the guys that you could tell that they were all pals. And it was just, um, so she was one totally respect Hannah Storm, she worked for ESPN, but um, really it was, I remember whenever I'd get in trouble, my dad would make me sit next to him and he would be watching sports and I wasn't allowed to talk. And he was like, just, he would say different sports terminologies. He'd say offsides, false start, um, encroachment, all of these different like terms of football. And then I wasn't, again, because I wasn't allowed to talk, he would say, what they meant and then I would have to repeat back what they meant. So I learned the game of football 
by being in trouble, which I was in trouble a lot. Um, and we would watch football together. And Chris Berman, who was a sports broadcaster at ESPN, still is, inter, you know, intermittently. I remember he was just always on. So when I got the job at ESPN and I got to meet Chris Berman, it was like, oh, my God. Like, it was like it came full circle of, you know, from being in trouble to now working at the same place um, that I grew up watching. So, yeah, it was um, I definitely had a lot of women that inspired me um, and men. And I think that it extended beyond sports, too. I mean, just again, you guys ask incredible questions. I think we are all um, we all should be learning no matter if you're just starting in your career or if you're a 20 year, 25 year vet. I think there's always opportunities to learn and um, appreciate what other people in your respective field do. Absolutely. And it's great to know that you know, throughout your career, you've had different people influence you probably, you know, as time has gone on. So I want to ask you, what's it like being a woman in sports now? Um, I always say being a woman in sports, because there weren't at the time when I started as many of us, oh, uh, being a woman, like the door was open for me because I was a woman, but it would only stay open if I knew what I was doing. And um, our, as a woman, if you messed up a player's name or whatever, like, you were put under a magnifying glass because it was like, oh, she's a dumb woman. She doesn't know what she's talking about. If a man messed up, it was like, oh, he just made a mistake. So I, I knew that, but I also wasn't naive that my opportunities were far superior because if there was 30 men applying for a job and only two women, that my you know pool of competition was a lot smaller. So yes, there were negatives, but there was also a tremendous amount of positives. And for me, very early on, it's actually probably why I got married to somebody I shouldn't have being truthful because I didn't want to be single in the in the sport because I didn't want people to think I was only there to date the athlete or to so I was I was I had a boyfriend at the time and he I was like would you get married or however you know played out and I think I did that to protect myself. I mean, it was the wrong guy. We ended up getting a divorce. But I think it really was subconsciously to protect against any stereotype that people might have had of me that I was just the girl looking um, to date the athletes or wasn't in it for the right reasons. Um, and that my attention was solely on the profession, not the, um, you know, byproduct of being in, you know, a male dominated world. That is so interesting to me. I would have never even thought about, you know, that you have to protect that image and that people would think that of you. You know, two marriages in four, almost 14 years doesn't give you, there's still going to be people that think you're in it. And, and truth be told, I, after my divorce, I did date a couple athletes and, with, and that was because I, that was who I was around. And I felt like at that point I had had enough credibility that I didn't also need to explain myself. I was like, you know, there's a lot of, you date colleagues if you work at Starbucks or if you work at Nordstrom's or whatever. Um, it's, you know, the athletes I interviewed, I ended up, you know, they're your colleagues. I mean, not your colleagues, but you know what I mean? Like that's the circles you run in. And look, when I look at my girlfriends, half of them married athletes. Um, mm -hmm. And it's, I don't think that you have to sit there and explain who you fall in love with. Um, that was, you know, who, we ended up being around. Um, but yeah, it, it was very interesting early on in my career as a 24 year old. I didn't want people to think that's why I was there. So you know it's so interesting. You saying that I was like, I wonder in my head, do, do male anchors or male, male, um, people in sport yeah. date female athletes? Very frequently. I don't know. I feel like the answer is probably no. I can't no. think of any off the top um, of my like, head. I'm like, sure there's, you know, some, some examples of that but yeah i um 
I think it just comes down to who you're around, you know? And yeah, um, yeah so I, I don't, I don't fault anybody either way um, for it's yeah. hard enough to find love. So if you find it yeah. in your, you know, wherever you find love it, love. And who <laughs> you find it with, more power to yeah. you. But yeah, exactly. Exactly. I do. I do want to ask you, um, I know we've been talking a lot about your um, broadcast and sports career. However, something that's really interesting to me is house and home and this design firm that you have. <laughs> Where did that come from? Was this just like a an underground passion project that you had and you decided um, that you were going to pursue it? Yeah, um, thank you for mentioning it is my my baby now and um, sports is always my first love. But um, I definitely this was um, a, a passion of mine that I've always had from the time I my dormitory to my first apartment. I mean, let's just say I always lost the deposit on every place I lived because I pounded a lot of nails in the wall and painted every uh, wall, wallpapered, did everything you weren't supposed to do if you were just renting. But um, for me, home has always been a sanctuary, uh, probably because I spent the majority of my career on the road and in hotels. So when I was home, it was a place that I wanted to feel uh, proud of. And also it was kind of that thing of like, I'm out there working so hard as I know you guys probably feel. And then when you come home, you want to be like, I'm doing it for this, right? Or I'm doing whatever it is that you take pride in, you're doing it for that. So yeah, I had done it for a long time, just recreationally um, for friends that would ask, hey, would you look at this space or you know, the own, my own um, dwellings. But during quarantine, you know, so many people were at home and maybe looking around at a certain space that they didn't love before. And so I was like, you know what, like, let me just, turn this into something. I, I, I love an entrepreneurial spirit. I'm very open about it. I'm not business savvy, but I love learning about the intricacies of business. And I really just love making people love their space. So um, it's been a really fun uh, experience. And we're just, you know, just getting started. I now have four employees, which I'm really proud of. And, you know, just sort of excited to see where it goes. But truth, truthfully, also feel happy that I have a job that pays my mortgage. So my energy and effort in this isn't motivated by money and, uh, you know, the ability to do a virtual design service, especially during COVID was something that was cool for me because, you know, I didn't have to go into people's homes in order to transform it and just getting feedback. I had this one client tell me he was so sweet. He was like, we started doing renovation and he opened up his bathroom wall and there was all this mold in it that he didn't know was there before. And he was like, I didn't realize why I was so sick and had I not done this, I wouldn't have found um, the mold and now I feel better. And like, I mean, I'm just out here saving lives, guys. You know, like who knew? <laughs> I thought it was pillows and now I'm saying, no, I'm just kidding. But I just really love um, somebody feeling proud of their space. And whether you have a little money or a lot of money, there's ways to achieve the look that you want. So yeah, I really am enjoying it. So thank you for asking. Of course, it's so great. And we are going to link everything here so everyone can follow you and like check out your website and whatnot. I did want to quickly ask you though, I know we're almost at time, but you mentioned like your deposit and a lot of when you were renting and a lot of people, you know, a lot of our listeners don't own homes yet. So are there ways to sort of make a rented space your own without having to renovate? Yeah, it's a great question. And, and when I get a lot, actually, and I just worked with a client, um, redid his house in Hermosa. He didn't own the home, but we did a lot of um, changes that were inexpensive, but also not, you know, infringing upon the deposit. So something is uh, 
adhesive uh, um, wallpaper, removable mm -hmm. wallpaper is something. They have so many versions of those out now that you don't have to A, spend the money on real wallpaper. Gallery walls are another very inexpensive way to fill your space. So cheap frames, Amazon the print, or even just magazines or coffee table books you love, just rip out the pictures and frame those. Um, so yeah, so I'd say removable wallpaper or, or gallery walls are a very inexpensive oh, way to change your space. Also, I could go on and on, but I know that we, have, we don't have time for all this. Okay, pillows. I love pillows, you guys. You can buy really cheap pillows at Target. Um, just make sure they have a zipper. Take out the insert, because the insert that come in those pillows are always like, make the pillow feel really cheap with the exterior. The, the cover of the pillowcase is nice. And then on Amazon, buy a feather insert, like a down feather insert, and swap them oh. out. So already your pillow feels a lot more luxurious. Um, than the like cottony ones that it comes with. So that's a cheap, inexpensive way to sort of update your space. And candles, candles or a lamp, yes. lighting is always good. Anyways. Love that. So we always ask our guests, what is something that is influencing them this week? Person, place, thing, book, movie. Mm -hmm. I'll go first. Loki, I am a really big Marvel fan. I don't talk about it a lot. Huge Marvel fan. Ooh. The new Loki show came out on Disney+. Plus. I I mean, just everyone watch it. It's great. Um, and that is what is influencing me this week. Jen, mm -hmm. what is influencing you? Okay, so this is like the like super book nerdy side of me. I love a good sci-fi book. Like I will fall into a sci-fi book hole sometimes. And a friend of mine just recommended a new one to me. It's called Recursion by Blake Crouch. And I am falling so far into the hole right now i think i'm maybe halfway through it and i just i can't stop like like probably on my lunch today if i take a lunch i will i will read definitely after work today i will do the same thing because i just feel overwhelmed by how much information goes into my head when i read Aww. these books and how my creativity just like goes in a million directions so heavily influenced currently by well i'm not but, influenced by um, your guys's yeah, concise Carissa. questions <laughs> uh, so I'm going to work on my, uh, you know, ability to ask succinct questions because I have a tendency <laughs> to have a whole preamble and then get to the, the question. Shocked I've actually been employed this long, so you guys are motivating me. Um, the other is airplane mode. It's silly, but I am um, practicing this. Um, my husband says that I need to focus sometimes on our time. Um, and so I put my phone on airplane mode for one hour well, while I'm with him um, at, you know, whether it's dinner or any of those things, because even if I put it in my purse and I hear it vibrate, I feel like I have to look at it. So um, just airplane mode is, is helping me be present in a situation, uh, whether it's with my husband or whether it's here or wherever. Um, I think that, that that practice of an hour a day and just kind of make you feel like you're, you know, a little bit more focused on what you, you need to be at that moment. And that can really Love that. I'm gonna I'm gonna try that today. Thank you so much for that tip. You know, be present. Yeah, just one hour. Yeah, absolutely. Nothing is going to you know like it's one hour. Yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Krista, for your time. It was such a pleasure having you and hearing your story. I I you know like we said we could have probably talked for another hour just now about like pillows and like that other side of it. But thank you so so much. And everyone, I'm listening. We will link all of Chris's information below so you can follow her um, and you can you know just learn about her career and also um, house and home, which is incredible as well. So thank you very much. 
Thank you so much. I really appreciate the time. Nice talking to you guys. I'll send you some Target stuff. Thank you for listening to Influence, a Margo Community Podcast. A special shout out to our team behind Influence. So Joss, our host, Yolanda, our assistant producer, Keisha, our designer, and myself, the executive producer. Listen and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform.